Welcome to the Scale and Exit Show, where you know every week or almost every day I'm bringing amazing guests, guests that are bringing fire, doing things out in the marketplace, um, motivating entrepreneurs, scaling businesses, doing things outside of their comfort zone. And today is no different. I've got my new friend, Tony. Tony, thank you for being on. Judge, I love the energy. Thanks for that intro, man. I can't wait to share some value with your listeners. Oh, sweet, man. When I haven't even time, I got to get to your uh, intro, actually. Let me pull this up. Let me give you guys a little quick background uh, about Tony. Uh, let me get there. I should have had this up. I just had it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could do an intro. I, I got to know. I gotta, <laughs> okay, so Tony Watley, right? I pronounced that correct? Yes, sir. All right, is a business mentor, best-selling author, which I want to talk about is his, uh, his book. It's Millionaire Side Hustle. And podcast host, an entrepreneur, he's best known as a co-founder of LS1 Tech, a massive online automotive company, which he grew into the largest of its kind. The website sees over 100,000 visitors per day and has 300,000 registered members. The company was later sold for a multiple seven-figure deal, and it was just his part-time business. Like, how cool is that? I can't wait to talk more about that. Tony shares his mindset and business strategies within his book, Side Hustle Millionaire, and teaches people how to create scale in their companies, which obviously is near and dear to my heart. So there, welcome. That's a proper intro. There you go, guys. There's a little bit about me, but man, there's just so many other layers. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And he's got a cooler mic than me. I might, I may have to copy Tony and get that cool road uh, white mic. There so before we get into side hustle and growing and, and, and selling uh, your, your business um, for seven figures, we just talked briefly before this and, and I said, well, yeah, it looks like you're getting into public speaking. And you said, yeah, you know, it was something I've just recently done and I was just nervous and petrified about it and now you're killing in it so talk to the audience about you know doing something that makes you uncomfortable and just getting out there to give some background i had a very successful corporate project management engineering career i was staff at the major oil companies 25 years in that business and for the longest time i thought oh i can give public speaking i got i got that i'm, I'm good at that you know i was just really fooling myself really lying because Here's the thing, a lot of guys in corporate world or, or women in corporate world, we're used to doing slideshow presentations. Right. You have a captive audience and you're just really reading a slide and you're, you're not really having to be engaging because people can't really leave. And right. so, so I want everyone that's listening to this that, that thinks that they're good, I'm doing air quotes now if you're not watching this, but listening, I want you to understand that giving a slideshow presentation is not public speaking skill. I hate to tell you that, don't lie to yourself. There's a lot more involved in it. And you, you can actually hear the way I'm speaking right now. There's some inflections in my voice. I'm stressing certain words a little bit more, trying to get you more engaged to listen to what I'm talking about. These are skills that you learn at a public speaking course like Toastmasters. And I knew that I did not have those skills and I had a very powerful story that I wanted to share to hopefully impact millions of people to improve their life by creating businesses but I was not right, the right person yet to carry that story. I was not that right person yet to have a podcast of my own. And how do I get there? I had to reinvent myself to re and just put in the work, do these things, join the Toastmasters, go every single week, get better and more comfortable, more skillful at public speaking, which really greatly improved my communication against all fronts, whether it's in person or on a stage or on a podcast or a guest on your show. 
these are things I invested myself into and I did over a period of about eight months and I started to see really good results. I started competing in public speaking contests and winning those things on a higher level. And then that led to doing things on the stage. So if you want to do that, you know that your message is important and it needs to get out there. You have to invest in yourself to become the right vessel to carry that message. Yeah, it's awesome. What I love you, a couple things is you, you owned kind of having self-reflection of, Hey, I'm going into this and I'm nervous and I'm not good. I think I may be good, but really I'm not. And then you did the work, you put it in. So that's, that's awesome, right? You've got to fail to get better. I talked about that all the time. The journey to success is, is filled with failure, right? And it's failing along the way and getting better. So that's awesome that you're doing that now. Talk to me a little bit about um, side hustle, right? I mean, you created essentially a side hustle and then sold it for seven figures, um, which is a, an amazing you know, thing to do. And uh, I'm sure the audience would like to know about that and a little bit more. How could they do that? And what does something even like that look like? Well, first of all, you have to think about what your purpose is, what your passions are, and what your expertise levels are in different things, whether you have a knowledge or a skill set or something that you can monetize. And a lot of times you'll find that you have a lot of valuable knowledge or skills that you can teach other people on a massive scale. I'm a big fan of online businesses. Mm. I, don't, I don't really like doing storefronts because they just limit yourself to a zip code or regional. If you're a service provider or anything that's having to do where people need to have direct interaction with you, <laughs> it's going to severely limit your scale unless you can build that brand as something like a franchise and start putting different locations out there. But nowadays with the, all the tools that we have available online to do things that are automated processes and marketing and be able to target and do specific advertising to direct customers without wasting pennies on, on ads in front of people that don't really convert. Right. There's a lot of technology nowadays and I did this before social media existed. So you understand like I was doing the marketing, I was buying the advertisements and magazines. I was trying to get on the radio channels for cars and things like that in my automotive community. And we had to create a drag racing you know, national racing program that traveled around the country to try to build this network in the community. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the community that you're trying to build and serve needs to be huge. Mm. It needs to be beyond your zip code, beyond your city, create the world as your community if possible, build a brand that people can get behind that they're going to find that they get some kind of value from or enjoyment from or a sense of community or support. These are the big things that really scale to a massive size and that's the brand I'm actually building right now is 365 Driven. I built that as a mantra. It's easy to remember. I want people to be 365 day driven to do things and, and push themselves and business and fitness and mindset and health, these different categories. Yeah, I love that. So the automotive community that I built was based around performance cars from General Motors. So anything Chevrolet, the Corvettes, Camaros, Firebirds, Pontiacs, Cadillacs, all their performance you know, portfolio was covered in this website. And as you can imagine, there's thousands and thousands of people out there with these cars and they just mm -hmm. wanted a place to hang out online. We had advertising revenue. We had over 150 advertising accounts when I sold that thing. So wow. even Cadillac and General Motors and Chevrolet all advertised on the website. You know, they're spending thousands of dollars to reach our customers. So the bigger that you can build your community, the community was free. We didn't charge the users. They, they got right. all the benefits from it. We built that leverage of that community size to go after the advertising revenue. So it was really a win, win, win. Like it was a win for my pocket. It was a win for the advertisers and a win for the users who are there for free. So that's how you scale these big, big companies because you yeah. build something that's bigger than yourself. I would say that most people think about side hustles 
And there's a few books out there that are, you know, honestly, if you want to read those, go read those. You're going to find out how to make a couple hundred extra bucks a month. You're going to learn, a, you know, they're, hey, let's make $2,000 extra a month. And while that may sound like a lot to you, because that's 2000 more than you currently have, I like to think about, hey, I like to make $40,000 extra a month. Yeah. Yeah, I like to make $100,000 extra per month. And you can do that nowadays with this digital technology. It's going to take a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. There's no get rich quick. A lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to start this business, get rich quick, but that's not the truth. Like any startup, even if it's a digital online company, is going to take some effort for that first one to two years. You may not even pay yourself that one to, one to two years while you're building this thing and making it fully automated and start to get your marketing and your branding out there for people to find it. And then you're going to start to convert. So that's the beauty of a side hustle is you have a job. Yeah. You have this job that's paying all your bills. You've got your benefits. You've got this parachute. You could take a little bit more risk with your side hustle. And I'm not trying to tell people to like think about it like a side job. Like nobody wants to get off work and then go to another job. Like that sucks. That's trading your hours for dollars. That's right. really small. And you got to think about things I can scale. And, and I'm telling you, like if you're, if you're thinking of a side hustle as a hobby, that's, that's also a self-limiting belief. It's not going to be a hobby. Like the business I had, we had 80 people supporting this team as freelancers. They were getting paid and getting benefits and getting hookups on parts and things like that that they could get some value from. So they were likely to be involved in that because they liked being part of something. And that's the kind of thing you got to think about is like it's so much bigger that it, you need to quit thinking about side hustles as a hobby business with hobby income. Yeah. So a couple of things you said that I love is one, uh, you went super niche. I believe, Tony, niche will get you rich. I'm a huge philosophy, uh, inch wide, mile deep. So you, one, you did a car industry, then you went even more niche, and you said it's GM, and even within GM, you went more niche, which is, which is fantastic. Um, at what point, Tony, do, does the side hustle become the full gig. And, you know, I talk a lot about this concept of you'll never be successful until you burn the ships. Until you fully commit, you're never going to achieve whatever that could be, the, the, the complete success of it. So in your book, do you talk about when it becomes side hustle to full time? I do. I touch on that. I think it's a, you have to be honest with yourself and look at the financial numbers that you require for the lifestyle that you want to maintain. Mm. And once you start to boil away some of the things that you can get rid of that aren't necessary, I want you to come up with that actual number that you need to pay all your bills and have like a, a comfortable lifestyle and set that as a milestone for your side business. If it achieves this number, then I'm going to have to sit down with myself or my wife or my partner, or whoever that's involved in this. Hey, we're going to reevaluate that milestone. We're not going to like say we're going to burn the ship and things at that milestone, but we may, Hey, is this side business demanding a lot of your time or is this something you can still manage and run your career? Cause for me, once I got that business running, it only took about 30 minutes a day for me to keep it operational. So here we have this business that's creating $400,000 a year in profit. That's only taking 30 minutes a day. Wow. I could have been totally lazy and said, oh, that's, that's more than my job and I don't need to work anymore. And that's, that's how most people get lazy. But here I am, I have a multiple six figure income on my salary, my corporate job. Like, why would I give that up if I can only do this thing in the side thing for 30 minutes? Right. Like, so I can make a lot more money in the same amount of time versus just saying, oh, I'll tap out. I'm going to go scale this company because I, I was realistic with that company. I knew that I could not scale it further than that. It's like we were already reaching. We were all number one for that entire community for that, that niche, like you were mentioning. Yeah. 
you have to be realistic with yourself. Can I scale this to the world? Maybe. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Camaro and Firebird guys running around in China. You know what I mean? So you have to be realistic with your business model, how it scales. We monitored everything. So we had the analytics. We could see that we were on a plateau for the last few years that we had the company. And it's like, hey, it's a good plateau. It's a really yeah. high plateau, but it's not going to scale any higher. We can't throw more money in advertising and create more customers out of this because it's based on a vehicle platform. So understand that when you build these companies that you don't want to build things that have a glass ceiling, mm -hmm. kind of have some foresight of how you're going to grow this thing before thinking about where you're going to run in the dead end. So to get back to your question, like you decide once you hit that financial number, if you can turn up the flame and like, like boost it even higher, go for it. Right. And if you think your salary, now here, if you got a really crappy job, honestly, you can walk away from that a lot easier than you can from a really high successful, high paying salary. So I kind of cater to both. I have clients that do both. And, I, and I'll tell you like, you know, other influencers that are online, like Gary Vee, he's always telling me like, ah, quit that crappy job and go chase your dreams. And right. in my book, I even talk about that. That's not a responsible thing to tell just a, like a blanket statement to people. Mm -hmm. Because if you're making $100,000, you don't just be like, oh, screw this crappy job. I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, it's like it took work. It took investment. It took education. It took experience to get to that level. Right. I'm not flipping burgers at McDonald's like I was on my very first job. So Got to put things in a context there. Yeah, context is always key. So a couple of things I want for the audience because this is the scale and exit show. And um, I've exited multiple businesses, scaled them. And my gut, and we've not talked about this, but in order for you to sell, my assumption is you had recurring revenue. So you had predictability in that revenue. It still had some sort of value and scale because you had users, right? And in that predicted, uh, you know, recurring revenue, your customer concentration probably wasn't that high. Are all those things correct? I'm not sure on the concentration section of that one, but definitely recurring <laughs> revenue because we had advertisers, like we said, 150, you know, advertising accounts. And we basically just had recurring revenue from that. Right. So we knew exactly what was going to come in. And our value of our ads was so small compared to what the advertisers had out there. So for example, like a magazine ad back then, like a full page color ad for one magazine was like $5,000 and mm -hmm. their circulation was maybe a hundred thousand people for that month. Right. And we were charging like $200 to reach a hundred thousand people per day. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So we knew they were never going to cancel their ads. They were paying years in advance sometimes. They're like, hey, can we get a discount if we pay you like two years in advance? We're like, right. sure, absolutely. So we incentivized things. And we also grandfathered their ad rates. And so that enticed people to join in at the current ad rate because, well, hey, we're never going to raise your rates. So but I think the, the, the key thing here is you've exited a business, and I want people listening, is you're building that side hustle. You're building your business. I try to you know mentor in the sense of, you got to have recurring revenue. I just wrote a whole book on mastering recurring revenue. Yep. It gives you predictability. It gives you scale. It gives a buyer confidence in buying that business for seven figures because they, they feel that it has scale and it, you know, when they buy it, the doors aren't going to shut. The other is niche, right? If you become a market leader in anything, you have a better chance of owning that market by becoming niche. And then customer concentration for me, if you had 150 accounts, my assumption is they were pretty well diversified. Did you have any one client, you know, paying more than 20% of your total revenue? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, I mean, so you had all the things that are critical, the main things that are critical in order to sell a business, right? Low mm -hmm. client uh, customer concentration, 
predictability, recurring revenue, and niche, right? And therefore, you built a business that had scale and had, you know, the ability to sell. Absolutely. And that, those, are, those are very important because when a person's coming in or a company's coming in to buy your business, they are not really, they don't really care about your past. They're looking at your future. They're buying your potential. They're not buying what you've achieved. A lot of customers, you know, the companies I'm trying to help, they're like, Hey, I want to build up my mechanic shop and like sell it. And I'm like, Hey, I hate to tell you, but your brand is not that good. You're not producing any unique products. You're just a reseller. It's like, honestly, your company is only worth the assets and the parts that you have on the shelf at a wholesale price. And that, that breaks their heart because they're like, well, I've been doing this 10 years. And I was like, well, it's the wrong business model. If you're building right. something to pump up and like sale, you did it the wrong way. You should have gone into manufacturing, created some unique brand and unique parts, had your dealership distribution network out there selling your parts for you, recurring revenue from that, patents perhaps that you own that you yeah. can- Intellectual from. property. Yeah, it's huge. Like you got to- have a different purpose mindset to create a company in order to sell that. And a lot of people don't do that. They create themselves self-employment jobs rather than the company. And here's the thing is like the company is worth way more than your self-employment, but you have to be purposeful doing that. And also the, the branding is very important. Like you have to be, like you said, at the top of your game or one of the top 10% of your game for investors and buyers to want to be the market leader. In my opinion, yeah. you be the market leader, you got to be disruptive. You got to make noise and you have to be able to be removed from the business. And I talk about this all the time, Tony, and, and, and you, you framed it up. If you, the mechanic, my assumption is he is critical to the success of that business. Okay. So he has a glorified job and he's on a hamster wheel that he can't get off. That is not a scalable exited, you know, business. So you, you, you have to be able to remove yourself from the business in order to exit and make a lot of money. Absolutely, man. You can't sell yourself. And a lot of people paint themselves into that corner with their companies, whether they have some kind of a proprietary knowledge or skill set that they, they, they're marketing and they're making good money at it, but they can never retire because it's based around them. And so until you create those systems and processes to be able to train other people to do your job, you're never right. going to be able to walk away from it. So right now for everybody listening, um, you know, man, I, I wish I could go do something. I, I mean, how, you know, how do I start on a side hustle? You know, is it is it start with, hey, what are you passionate about? What do you have a good skill set? And how does somebody just kind of take that first plunge into starting the side hustle? Yeah, that's exactly the the three things I talk about is, is purpose, passion, and expertise. Awesome. You'll find that the most most you know successful companies exist at the intersection of those three things. And I'll give you a little high level of each of those for. For purpose, a lot of people fail right at the beginning because their purpose is money. Mm -hmm. And purpose of money is never going to get you there because that's not a strong enough reason to, to go through things when times are tough or you got to invest in yourself or you got critics and naysayers and haters and you got all these things against you. Like if your purpose is just to make money, that's a really weak purpose. You got to think about money as a result, you know, like a game, like a, like a sports game. Like to me, a business is a game. And money is just a score. It's a result. It's not something yeah, you focus totally. on. So you got to think about what is it that's going to get you through those tough times. If it's if your purpose is to positively impact millions of people or help this community or, you know, get your family to the next level and get them out of the places that you're in. Those are strong purposes that you're going to be like, you know what? Screw these haters. Screw these critics. Screw this adversity that I'm seeing right now. The purpose is stronger than the, the pain that I'm going through. That's going to get you through. 
<clears throat> so passion is different. Passion's like, what are your interests? Passion is like, I'm a car fanatic. I love cars. So I built companies around cars. What is it that you could do every day that's not going to feel like work? Because here's a lot of times there's people out there, like, hey, hey, Tony, I want to make extra money. And my friend's got this ne you know, network marketing thing or this you know, multi-level marketing thing. And they want me to sell this product. And I, the first thing I ask him is, do you believe in that product? Yeah, amen. Would you, would you buy that product and use it before you were selling it? Mm. You've seen results from this product. Like, and they're like, well, no, you know, it's just, you know, it pays really well. And I was like, your focus is money. That's a weak purpose. That's first mm. of all, you're going to fail right there. You're going to fail. Two, you don't have passion for that industry or that product that you're marketing. Your customers will be able to tell you that. Like they can tell that there's a lack of energy. They don't see the shininess in your eyes when you talk about it. You're not going to do well in it. So find something that you have an interest in because then it's never going to feel like work. Like if I can get up and talk about cars and talk about building companies, like I'm excited. Like you can hear it in my voice. I'm excited about that stuff and it never feels like work. I can work a 16 hour day and be like, oh crap, time went by pretty fast today. Awesome, can't wait for tomorrow. Yeah, you, you, you are a car guy. I've seen the, uh, the cool Viper that you have. Yeah, I've got a couple of Vipers and, and classic muscle cars. And you know, the funny thing is like all my cars were basically paid for by my car hobby and my car business. See, I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing that you can think about. It's like, hey, I can create a business in my passion, whether that's fitness or you know, fishing or outdoor life or whatever it may be. And like, if you could create a business that builds a community around what you're doing and it right. can scale to reach the world of all these other people that are just as quirky and geeky and whatever it is about the thing that you're doing, you're going to make a fortune doing that if you have the passion for it. So I've got a tough question for you that um, I know is difficult to, you know, there's different scenarios, but for that person, let's say that the hobby is fishing or whatever, and they've come up with this great business or it's, tech and it's home security, whatever it is, right? In your book, or do you have advice maybe that's not in your book? How do you know what to invest? And what I mean by that is we both know in order to be successful, you need to invest in yourself. You've got to invest in the business. That's time, you know, effort, money, energy, all those things. When you look at a monetary value, does your book have a formula or do you have a formula to basically say, um, you know, you should, to, to really try a side hustle, you need to allocate and commit 15% of your savings or, or something like that. Do you have any sort of parameters to give anybody? I, I, I've not, it's not related to what your current income is. I don't, I don't put any relationship between your current job and what your side hustle is. What I do is I set goals based on the, what you want from the side hustle. So if you wanted to make $100,000 extra year, 200000 if you want to be able to sell it in five years for a few million, these are financial goals that I like to set with a timeline. And then we work backwards and we see how realistic or how viable that your idea is. Is it going to be able to scale to get there? Because here's the thing. A lot of times people come with me at the side hustle and they're like, hey, Tony, I want to build this little widget thing and I can, I can make these in my house and like it's cool and I think people will want them. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Let's talk about that. How many hours a day does it take you to create that one piece? How much can you sell that one piece for? What is your profit on that one piece? How much does it cost? To yeah, make how, much is the, how much is your pure profit is it, and how much time is it commitment on that? And sometimes you'll find that people might want to do these little handcrafted things and sell those, which is cool because they want to be creative and they're artistic or whatever. Or they're, no scale. <laughs> there's no scale to your own time. So if, you're right. limiting, if your limiting factor becomes the hours that you can invest in it, you're never going to be able to scale that unless you can create a process and train other people or a manufacturing facility to do those for you. And that can scale 
that's how the inventions get made. But don't think you're going to sit there at home every night for two hours after work every day right. and assemble these things. I did that. I tried doing that in my early 20s and I was making good money on it. But it's like, holy crap, I can't, I can't sit here and do these all. I, yeah. I, your, your limit is basically your hours. So quit doing that. Quit thinking about that. So that's where the, hey, Tony, I want to build something that I can sell for $10 million comes in. And you, and you start with this idea, you're like, man, it's just not going to get there. Like you need to walk away from that one. Like that's a yeah. huge waste of time. Like we're not going to start down any path unless it leads to the goal that we set at the beginning. So you got to think about it at the end in mind, work backwards from there. And then yeah, what's the end game? Yeah. And have that bravery to walk away. Like you may have some awesome ideas like judge you and I, I know that you and I could sit here and we could brainstorm some kick ass business ideas. I know sure. we could. Yeah, for sure. But if they don't lead to our goals, it's a waste of our damn time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an, an idea is nothing until you have a plan. A plan is nothing until you take action. Um, action is nothing until you can, you know, are consistent with it. So in, in scale doesn't happen until you learn how to compress time. Right. So Tony, for everybody watching, as we start to kind of wrap up here, um, go get the book side hustle millionaire, right? We got it in front of, I just ordered my copy, um, Amazon bestseller, Get it on Amazon. Just search, you know, Side Hustle Millionaire, 365driven.com to get a hold of Tony. You're wanting to grow your company. You want to understand a side hustle. Um, where should we follow you on uh, social? I'd say everybody just go visit the website. You'll find links to my Instagram. You'll find links to my Facebook group, my Facebook page, my Facebook business page, my LinkedIn. Everything's on that one website. Keep it simple. Yeah. So listen, guys, listen, this guy literally took a side hustle, grew it and sold it for seven figures. So if you're out there watching this, you're listening and you've got that next great idea. Maybe you want to do something with coffee. Maybe it's a cell phone idea. Maybe it's a microphone idea, whatever it is, right? You've got to just take that idea to a plan with goals in the proper set of actions. Tony can help you with it. He's done it. He can counsel you on should you do it, should you not do it, what does that investment look like? Those things are key. Tony, if you were to leave the audience with one piece of advice, what would that be? I would say the most critical thing I find from people who do not take action to start is they're worried about what other people will say. Mm. And if, you, if you're listening to this and you're worried about trying something and failing, what you're really worried about when people is, is what you're really not worried about failure. We fail all the time. We fail in our entire lives. We do things, we make mistakes and that's fine. We recover from those. But what we're mostly held back from is society or peers or friends or colleagues or family that are, they're going to say when you fail. And that's why the fear is. So when you start thinking about that, these people are tend to be critics or haters or, or naysayers and they're holding you back from doing the things that you really want to do with your life. Think about this guys. If these critics and naysayers and haters aren't going to be at your funeral, don't let them run your life. Do what you need to do. Amen. Because you're going to get, you're going to get way more, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to, you're not going to die with regrets when you've given it all you've done and you've tried and you failed. It's better to have tried and failed than it is to never try at all. I love that. If they're not going to be at your funeral, who gives a fuck? I love yeah. that. That's perfect, man. All right. Well, this has been great. Uh, if you guys aren't following me, I'm sure you are. You're listening to this. I'm pretty much everything at Judge Graham, Facebook at Judge Graham Business. My new book, Mastering Recurring Revenue, drops this month. I'll have a promo video about it. And Tony, it's been amazing, man. I hope to stay connected. And for the audience, make it happen. All right, Judge. Thank you.